Well, we should just start and say hi, friends. Okay. Hi, friends. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. In high school, we were best friends. And now that we're old, we're still best friends. And we both really love the show Friends. We love it so much that we thought we'd rewatch it together and tell you all about it. So join us to find out all the details that two people who weren't there can find out from the internet. Could there there be be better better friends watching Friends? Episode three. The one with the thumb. When I saw the episode titles, I feel like I didn't really pay attention to the titles before. And I wasn't remembering what this one was about because when I first listened, like, when I usually when I w- listen to the, or watch the episodes, I I kind of skipped over season one. I think I'm the the least familiar with it. So when I saw it was like the one with the thumb, I was like, I I don't remember this one. <laughs> that was it a fun like trip down memory lane then? Yes, Do you I remember once you watched it. Yes, yes. I wanted to ask how your quarantine is going too because. We're a million years into it. <laughs> That's true. Um, no, it's, you know, it, it's really, it's, re- I feel really hopeful because I mean, you got your vaccination. I'm super, super excited and proud of you. Um, my sister-in-law who also works in the education slash medical field also got her vaccination today. And I'm just, I'm waiting for my, my turn. Um, I feel like we're like, like right around the corner from things just changing for the better. And I, I've been checking in with a lot of like in, at work with a lot of staff and just seeing how they're doing and everyone is just so over it and, you know, trying to balance that work and work life and home life. And I, I'm just so, I, I feel like this, like renap like renewed sense of hope. Yeah, so. me too. I'm also really sick of being home. So, <laughs> well, I think that, um, well, I have two things about that or in response that I think this project we've been doing is like the best lightness to all the work. Like Aww. we both work in like pretty, I mean, you do education and I do therapy. There's like so much heaviness in all of that, especially right now, like doing all this telehealth crap. Yep. Um, this has been such a nice, like light, joyful, fun thing that I really just love. I just want to do it all the time and quit my job and just do this. I feel you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, yeah, I want to, um, I feel like I finally have a hobby and an outlet. Yeah. That's outside of work, which is really Mm -hmm. healthy. So yeah. And I think it's so funny that we both like have a lot of education and I've never really felt like, like I'm still an intern in therapy, which is really humbling because I never feel like I know what I'm doing ever. But the fact that there's something I know enough about to like feel expert enough to have a podcast and that it's about a TV show is really funny to me. (laughs) This is like, this is the thing that I feel like I'm an expert on as friends. But you are, and you have been for a decade or more. It's really my life's work, honestly. It is. It is. And it's it's the passion coming out. No, there, there is. There's a lightness and a like, um, I don't know, just I look forward to, I look forward to our recording days. It's really great because not only yeah. do I get to talk about friends, but I get to see like my best friend and it's wonderful. I know. It's the best. I re- it's like the, 
next best thing to sitting in person and watching it together. Yeah. And I can't wait. I mean, I feel like we need to get like rolling with our foot in the door in this and kind of get in a groove, but I'm really now thinking on the horizon of like bringing in our other friends as get, as guest friends spurts to mm-hmm. see, you know, like to reconnect with them over this. Um, Cause I know that they've got a lot to say and that that's going to be really fun. Yeah. I can't wait for our first friend spurt. It's going to be really, really great. Yeah. Um, but in, in response to your quarantine um, comments, I am also over it. And I had on my notes, we, I know we were talking about this before. I have this note on my, like at the top of my season one, episode three notes, it says turkey bag core story. And I couldn't figure out what that was for like hours. Okay. I, okay. I, can I just share? <laughs> you have the best shorthand of anyone I know. I think I may have learned shorthand from you in high school um, because you always, like ever since I've known you, you've written in shorthand. Like you never write things out because you lo- you don't like, you don't type things. You write everything, you handwrite everything. So turkey bag core, <laughs> turkey bag core, what is it? Turkey bag core story. Okay. Well, can you share with did you find out what that was? Yeah, I remembered. So. <laughs> I <laughs> I know you were really just like struggling to find out what that was. Like the few days after. Past Sarah, I'm like literally crying. This is so funny to me. Um, but like past Sarah does this thing all the time where she's like, this will be really helpful. I'll just abbreviate this thing. And then future Sarah will be fine. Or like, I'll put this thing in a really safe place. And future Sarah will definitely know where that is. And then. Future Sarah is like, I have no idea what's going on. Like, this is really debilitating. Um, so Turkey Bag core story, I <laughs> I don't really leave the house almost ever. Like I did I haven't been outside in like four days. I live in the basement. I do my work and my school and my sleeping and my exercise all in this one room. And um I went to the grocery store. There's a local co-op, it's like the only store I'll go to. And uh I, it was on a Saturday or a Sunday, like two weeks ago, I think, two weekends ago. Um, and I bought some sliced turkey and like three other things. And I was thinking it would be really nice to have a turkey sandwich this week, maybe. I don't know. Thing I never make. And then <laughs> I got home and I'm so <laughs> It was like fancy co-op turkey too. Like, I mean, it was pre- pre-sliced, but uh, it was like $6 for like five pieces of turkey. Some kind of bullshit and I <laughs> I was so not used to leaving the house or shopping that I got home and I, I took the like three big things out of my I just put it all in my purse I took them out and put them away and like didn't even bother to continue looking for this turkey and like four yeah. days went by <laughs> where I like wasn't leaving the house so I didn't need my bag I just was like my bag sits here on the floor next to my desk and I like went up and was like, I'd really love to have a turkey sandwich today. That sounds really good. And I'm like looking all over the house for this turkey. And I was like, I don't think I ever took the turkey out of my purse. <laughs> so I, I'm just like, so not, I'm so dis, um, what's the word? I'm so like untrained from normal everyday life. Real life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sarah, that is a great <laughs> turkey bag core story (laughs) well so then I'm getting sweaty this is so funny to me um I so then I 
pulled it out of my bag and was like, sure enough, it's under like my wallet or something in there. And I, my bag's huge. So, um, and I was like, well, it says pre-cooked on it. Like how long do you think this turkey can sit out and still be safe? <laughs> so I'm Googling like. <laughs> how about not four days? <laughs> it said two hours on the internet. So I threw it away. <laughs> Mystery solved. <laughs> Oh, I feel like I have those same stories. You just, you, you start to not understand how real life works anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, I've definitely avoided going to the grocery store mm-hmm. in all, in any way I can and just relying on internet orders and like curbside pickup. But the few times that I have gone into the like, brave, brave supermarket aisles or even Trader Joe's, I just have this aversion to people which I'm sure are like are masked up and great but I'm just like no 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 you're too close you're too close you're too close you're too close (laughs) or like if they like push their basket too close to mine I'm just like what are you doing like I get so escalated so quickly and it's it's translated into like even my um my relaxation when I sit down and watch a show, yes. like I start to get very high anxiety. Like even rewatching Friends, I'm like, why are they sitting so close to each other? <laughs> what, you're not six feet apart. Like, why are you touching each other? And I'm like, what is this doing to our society? Like, are our collective minds? <laughs> yeah, agreed. I think that's why I had such a visceral reaction to the last episode where Joey was like sitting on the counter, and I'm like, what are you doing? You guys can't be having like your body parts on things. What's going on? It's so unsanitary. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this is definitely quote unquote a new normal, but I'm hoping that once things do go back to normal, that that kind of aversion goes away a little bit. I think that we will get be able to go back to normal faster than we expect. I think so too. I do have some fun facts. Um, I took a listen to um, the into the season one commentary from Kaufman and Crane. And um, there was a few things that stuck out that I wanted to share that we may have missed in the first few episodes. So um, first of all, so what they what they mentioned in in the commentary is that Friends was very different in terms of the, like the structure of, of the sitcom. They were the, actually the first sitcom to involve like three subplots smashed together. And I didn't realize that until I went back and realized, oh, like there is a significant, like, like three part series to this, to this for every single episode. So, for example, in this one, the three subplots are like Phoebe and her th- and and her bank, where she finds the thumb, ends up finding the thumb, which we'll talk about. Um, Chandler's smoking habit, and then there's the third one of Monica's boyfriend Alan, and how he interacts with the friends. So, I think that that's something significant that we can look at moving forward. In that, like, what are the three focuses of each episode? Um, so I thought that was cool. That seems really hard to do. Also, in the same amount of time as a normal sitcom, like 22 minutes-ish, yep. to wrap up 
to start and end three stories and have them all wrap up nicely and intertwine together, that seems really hard. Well, I think that also is a like testament to how skilled they are at like bouncing from scene to scene, where sometimes the scenes are very short and cut from like cut to each other very quickly. Um, where and we'll get into it a little bit, but like sometimes there's even no dialogue, right? It's just like visuals and then it cuts to another piece. So um, I think they did it very effectively and um, I had a new pre appreciation listening to that and, and, and realizing that moving forward. Yeah. The other thing was that um, both Kaufman and Crane were friends in New York. They actually met each other in New York and they, in their 20s, and so they very much experienced the, the lifestyle of their early 20s and trying to find out, you know, who they were independent of their families and, um, they wanted to make a, a, a show about how your friends in your 20s become your family. Um, and I thought that was also a really good perspective because you, you do, that transition does happen. You know, you do um, kind of break the, that ties to your parents and, and even sometimes your siblings to a certain extent to really bond more deeply with your peers. And, and in turn that find that like helps you find who you are in, in reflection, like holding up a mirror to those around you. Um, and that time of self-discovery and, and self-reflection and it's such a unique time. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I love that they wanted to like honor that in a show. Yeah. They really do show them like picking their family. Like that's kind of mm -hmm. what you do through your twenties is like pick who your your family's going to be for the rest of your life because you've now launched. You know, most people have launched by then. Yeah. Um, and uh, except for Ross and Monica, who cannot seem to get enough of touching each other. <laughs> yeah, there were some things in this episode too. <laughs> oh, even Court was like, "What is up with those two? So in the first episode, we were talking about the names of the show originally and how one of the names was Six of One. And I heard from two different people, one who's listened to it and one who was court telling me about it. Um, our friend Lindsay, who is a friend spurt, who is also the ultrasound tech that gave me so much good info in the last episode. Um, she was listening and she texted me and said, it's Six of One, Half Dozen of Another. It's a saying. One of those, just like a random saying. I also heard from someone else who texted me, like one of our friends who was like, I'm listening to your podcast. That's a weird, a weird saying that my grandmother says. <laughs> so I think it's very old. Yeah. So what I heard from Court Potter is that it's a long time saying, and then he also said Charles F. Dickens. <laughs> I don't think his middle initial is F. But that's the feedback I received. I can't wait to have Court on the show. I told him, I said, you're going to have to, like, we're just going to have to pick an episode for you and you're going to have to watch it because he doesn't yeah. know anything about the show. So, <laughs> oh man. So, I did want to say that um, Coffin and Crane did not come up with the Insomnia Cafe out of nowhere. There was actually an Insomnia Cafe in New York when they were in their 20s. 
So that's where they pulled it from, which I feel like gives it a little more clout. Yeah. So I can, I, like, I can forgive it a little bit. It's not like a 26, 30 minute song that was written by Bob Dylan or someone. <laughs> um, if it's a real place, then I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And coffee insomnia makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Friends is better, but yeah. Okay. I mean, I can see the, I can see the map now. Yeah. I like where they finished. Yes. So let's get into the one with a thumb. Yes. All right. So this is season one, episode three. Um, it premiered on October 6th, 1994. And we have new writers. Um, it was written by Jeff Astroff and Mike Sikowitz. Um, Both were, were returning writers for the first two seasons that contributed to a um, bunch of episodes in those, in those seasons. So this is the first one then not written by Kaufman and Crane. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but it was directed by our friend James Burroughs. So that's three for three now, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I, um, I watched it a second time through right before we started recording and I started to tally on my notes of Phoebe's outfits. It says outfits plus hair that I like. And I did like a check mark for each one. This was a good one for her. Five out of five. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, fashion police update. I feel way less judgy than the first two episodes. All, all, all of my notes are like glowing reviews. So I'm, I'm excited to get into this one. A few fashion problems, but Phoebe, ten. I mean, five out of five, which is the same as ten out of ten if it's an equation. So, great job. Yes. <laughs> hey, in my twenties. I often dress like a six-year-old girl. So um, <laughs> I, I feel like they're they're really hitting their mark. And we're, we're getting better. And well, okay, I got one heinous thing, but we'll get to it. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. Should we get into a summary? Sure. The gang is crazy about Monica's new boyfriend, Alan, which makes breaking up with him much more difficult for her. While showing Joey how to smoke for an audition, Chandler gets hooked again. Meanwhile, it seems that everyone is trying to give Phoebe money. First, her bank gives her $1,000 as a result of a series of computer errors. Then a beverage company gives her $7,000 because she found a thumb in a can of soda. So that sums it up. <laughs> Even the summary made me giggle. I actually <laughs> laughed out loud at this. I, I just... I have to say, I know we haven't even started, but these six people are so, like, the chemistry is so good. They're already, it's so believable. It's so good. Yeah. I, I'm impressed at how fast it happens because, mm -hmm. because I mean, the fact that their chemistry is so strong, three episodes in, mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah. I feel like this is the first one too, where we really, I mean, there's chemistry in the others, but this is, we're not meeting so many like the last one was all periphery characters like more establishing the first one was a pilot so this is the first one where it's like we're in their lives like this is there's more like everyday regular stuff I think we see we see four out of the six people we, we see them doing work yeah so, <laughs> we like people are actually working which is great 
Um, so it just seems more like, you know, regular episode, finally. True. Yes. Except when we get to 28 seconds and Joey's wearing a pirate shirt. I, I, did, I didn't notice that. What, how, did, how is it a pirate shirt? It's like a white, it's not like Jerry Seinfeld white puffy shirt, but it is like a white kind of puffy shirt. And it is unbuttoned down to a point where like a tango dancer would have it. <laughs> it's foul. So. Um, okay. So while we're on the topic of Joey and fashion, I, I have to come, I have to circle back to Joey's hair because I know in the pilot, we talked a little bit about the bowl cut. I feel like it's very, like in the pilot, it's very feathered, very flowing. He has to kind of like get it out of his face and like brush it aside. But like we, we've gone in a diff, completely different direction now where he, he seems to have like fixed the bowl cut with a lot of gel and a giant comb over, <laughs> um, which, which continues for multiple episodes. But like his part is so far to the side and the, yeah. gel, the gel comb over is just so floppy. Yeah. It doesn't move as much. It's aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> I did write, Joey's hair is much more grown up and less boyish bowl cut. Yes. So there's that. It seemed very like um, exotic bird to me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much. I, I think I was so focused on his hair. I didn't even pay attention to his clothing. Next time you watch it, just take a gander down south. It's rough okay. down there. It's <laughs> tough times. We'll say throughout the whole cold open, they seem to be wearing relatively appropriate 90s, 20-something apparel. Like nothing was, I mean, I, I need to go back at Joey, but like nothing else seemed overtly offensive. Yeah, Monica was wearing like a cute overall outfit with like those white kind of platformy tennis shoes kind of thing mm-hmm. maybe not so platformy but um she looked cute compared to that like vest she was wearing last time and that she wears later in this one um and Rachel had like a kind of a vesty denimy shirt too but Phoebe looked great so good she looked yeah. really good and her hair in every scene was great it was straight in every scene but it looked great yep so they are in the coffee shop and they are talking about all of the dating lingo on how p- the different the different ways that people can um, inadvertently sit, like break up with you, right? I loved some of the riffs that they had too on the typical, like, it's not you, it's me. I, I loved Chandler's the most where he said, well, I'm going to date like leather clad alcoholics and talk to you about them. Yep. <laughs> I feel like we could relate to that a little bit too hard. Rachel being like, everyone knows this. Why? He wants to see her again. I was like, oh, you've never been like brushed off. You've never been blown off. So that was in my notes too. I was like, why does Rachel seem oblivious to this? She's not, she's not a dummy. Like we know she's not a dummy, but she's dated a ton. I feel like she's never been broken up with. Yeah, I think, I mean, even when we see the flashbacks and she talks about Chip, like, he cheated on her, but then he comes back to her, and then, like, Barry, I was wondering if maybe, like, she met Barry very quickly in college and really hadn't dated that much between, like, high school people and him. Yeah. Because 
it's only been like three years since college at this point. So, or since high school, maybe. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I did, I did love Phoebe's, um, Phoebe's riff on, I think we should see other people means, haha, I already am. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. She looked a little bit busty in her outfit too. I, I just like, it looked like she was wearing a push-up bra or something, which seemed very not Phoebe. Very not Phoebe, but kind of 90s with like the wonder bra movement. Totally. That's, that's a great point. And since we're still on fashion, I noticed that Chandler's personality, like it seems like every scene they're trying to figure out who he is through his wardrobe and it is still not hitting. He's wearing this like, it looks like a Greg Brady, like Brady Bunch kind of polyester-y weird shirt that has Uh a zipper where buttons would be, like where the two buttons at the collar might be. It's just a short zipper with like khakis. It's... (laughs) I've never seen such a shirt. It looks a little bit like a 50s JCPenney model. (laughs) It's bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But it seemed better fitting than that bowling shirt last time. So it's at least fitted to his body. (laughs) Uh, So when Rachel seems oblivious to this whole thing, then Joey moves in to kind of cushion the blow, right? Like it's like saying... Oh, it cushions the blow of the breakup. Like, this is why the lingo happens. And then Chandler then immediately transitions to this metaphor of like, yeah, it's like when your parents tell you your dog went to live on some farm to make you feel better. And then we get like the first introduction to Chi-Chi, the Geller's beloved dog. (laughs) And that name tracks through the whole series. That dog comes up later. Definitely. Um, And and (laughs) Ross is just so naive. Oh my God. And also, ugh, just gross Geller moment. He like is over to Monica and holds her hand. He's like, no, no, remember? And holds her hand. I mean, Robert was watching it and he's like, is Marta Kaufman a pervert? (laughs) (laughs) Well, to her credit, she did not write this episode. Oh, great point. But maybe James Burroughs is because he directed all three. <laughs> and I love that um, Ross, again, is the like prince, the protected child. Like Monica knows because like who cares about Monica, but we have to protect like the firstborn prince from this awful tragedy of the yeah. dog dying. Oh my God. The fact that he's in his like mid twenties and, st- and still thinks the dog, they gave away this dog. <laughs> It's so sad. It's so sad. I also, this is just a little bit of a side note, but I, when I was listening back to episode two and thinking about them in this, getting the sonogram and now seeing them like all working in this one, I was just thinking about how, when I watched the show, I was, you know, in high school. And when I graduated, they were like in their mid thirties or when I, I'm sorry, when the show ended, I was graduating college. I was like 21 they were all in their mid thirties. And so like my entire run of the show, they, they just all seem very old to me, like very grown up, very, very grown up. Mm-hmm. I'm now 37. I'm like, and they're 22 in these episodes. And I still am watching this being like, God, they're so grown up. Like, when am I going to get to that point? But I'm like 15 years older than all of them right now. 
just a weird. You know, that's a really good point. Um, I was thinking that something along the same lines that I was nowhere near as independent and um, put together as they are when I was their age. No, not I was extremely lost, still very much relying on my parents for any, any, ever, any and everything. Yeah. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I definitely did not have a steady job. No. Um, yeah, it, it, sometimes, sometimes it seems a little outside of the realm of possibility that they are in their early twenties and they are more, more thirties, thirties style. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so funny that that has still stuck with me. And I'm like, wait, I'm way older than these people. And I still look at them in every episode being like, oh my God, they're so grown up. Like someday I'll be like them. Give yourself some credit. You're way more educated than all of them. That's true. Very true. (laughs) We are now at the opening scene, um, which is the boys' apartment. We're so excited to just dissect all of the wonder that is their apartment and that is so different than Monica's. Um, So the first fade in is um, to a picture of Laurel and Hardy that becomes like their iconic picture that's up on their wall above their TV. I thought it was a really fitting first glimpse of their apartment. As soon as I saw that picture, I was like, oh my God, the boys' apartment. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) And they're so like that form of humor. Like, I feel like it really translates into this show that like goofy kind of physical comedy. Definitely. Yeah. Um, So I want to take a moment just to point out some of the background stuff before we get into the, the, a little more of the plot. There's a desk next to the TV underneath the, the picture. On the desk is a bunch of stuff, but significantly a big wooden, like a model of a wooden boat in the far corner on, on the side of Chandler's door is a bike, which I've never seen them ride a bike. I don't know. I have some questions about that mountain bike because <laughs> you would not get a mountain, mountain bike in the, in New York city. Uh, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. I just saw it and was like, I'm sorry. Whose bike is it supposed to be? First of all, neither of them has the personality to ride a bicycle. And then my second thought was maybe Joey got it for a part. It was like, some kind of like really trying to get into a play or something. He's like, my, yeah. my character would ride a bike and then it just sits there. No one using it. That's probably more likely. <laughs> it really threw me. It was like seeing Chandler with the backwards hat in the first, in the pilot. <laughs> it was like a mountain bike. What is that? This is not tracked for their characters. No. And I don't know how long that bike's there, but I don't think it's very long. I don't think so either. Um, so another piece is that there are two houseplants Mm-hmm. next and I'm like these these guys don't even really have real furniture how in the world are they expected to take care of houseplants I just that that seemed very um very out of out of character also yeah it their apartment looked almost like oh this is all the stuff we have in the props department we don't know how long the show's gonna go like let's just put it all in here yeah <laughs> yes And then the other thing that stood out was behind Joey next to the desk, like to the left of the desk, 
right next to his door, there was like this strange, okay, all I can describe it as is like an owl man Santa carving. That's, that's, I, I like, I didn't know what it, it was like maybe from a totem pole, but I love, I love that you got that. I, that's like the first thing I wrote down about their apartment. I was like, a very strange carved wood chair statue. What is that? Oh, is it a chair? It looked like maybe a chair or a plant stand. Like, it was like a chair shape, but I don't know what on earth. I don't know. Again, I don't know how long that stays. <laughs> I, I don't think long. It seemed very out of place it was almost like something that you'd get at like a world goods store yes on top of the tv there is a hat that says ny on it it's a blue hat with orange letters and i asked court i was like is that a nicks hat and he said it's a mets hat because i know in later episodes there's one where joey is like yeah the nicks rule all like he loves the nicks and i know they go to hockey games but i've never ever ever heard them talk about the mets before but the Mets are baseball and the Knicks are basketball. Right. Never heard them talk about the Mets. So I was thrown off. Like, well, just put a Knicks hat there. We need to bring Court in for some sports references because I think he'll be able to answer some questions for us. Yes. And then I also noticed that there is a weight bench in their apartment. Okay. That was my other catch at 258. Right next to the bathroom, there's this giant weight bench. They are not weightlifters. Let's be real. <laughs> they're living. I, it, it's very odd. I mean, I get, I get that you're in New York and you have limited space, but I don't think we ever see it again. No, I don't think so. I mean, that one time he tries to lift weights, <laughs> he gets a hernia, Joey, and he's like, yeah. "Damn you, 15s. Oh, that's so good. I don't think they've ever used it. No. Like the bike. Right. Maybe it was for a part. Again, maybe Joey was like, this yeah. guy's a weightlifter. Yeah. I I also thought it was just very jarring seeing that like weird mid-century chair that Joey's sitting in. That's like kind of hip and there's no Barca loungers. Like it was very strange to not see Barca loungers in there. We haven't gotten there yet. I know. Oh, just wait. <laughs> I also noticed that the bathroom, what is supposed to be the bathroom I don't know if you saw this there it looks like it's a closet in this episode like they haven't established where the bathroom is oh you know those like stands those wooden stands that men can like hang their suit on you can like put the shirt on one part and the pants hang over another part so you can like steam them or I don't know it's like a it's like a thing I, I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> well it's like a thing um I, I live with a man who just throws all of his clothes in the washer and dryer I don't know anything about anything beyond that he's a strictly like penguin brand guy your husband yes <laughs> um okay well some people will know and you can probably google like weird wooden suit holder stand thing it's a thing but there's one of those in the doorway and there's no like bathroom that would take up way too much space in a bathroom right well, and there's no, like, because in other episodes, you can see the shower through the bathroom door. But they, it's just, like, a wall with this stupid suit thing. It looks like it might be a closet instead of bathroom. Which was, like, when Paul the wine guy went left out of the apartment instead of right. Like, we haven't established where all these things are yet. Yep. Yep. Well, 
This is this is uh, definitely the boys' apartment version one. Yes, we'll see. We'll see where version two takes us. That's a really good catch. I didn't even notice that. Um, I did notice though that they have um, in their kitchen area a very large bookshelf next to the door on the side of the like kind of like um, perpendicular to the refrigerator like a storage shelf of just pure crap <laughs> that I think disappears in the next few episodes. Um, and that all of their, all of their like pantry stuff is then shoved in, in other cabinets. It is weird seeing random episodes of this show where they try to put stuff where the camera is. Like they try to put stuff in random episodes, like under where the camera is filming. Like mm-hmm. there's a random table there at things at like a party or like in, um, in this episode in the coffee shop one time, there's like a, a random table shoved up against the coffee table that they're sitting at. That's like where the camera is. It's strange. We don't need to see the hidden space. Like I just assume that the apartment ends where the camera is. Like we don't, don't pretend there's anything there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the whole, like during this, this scene, um, Chandler is helping Joey rehearse for a role where he has to be a smoker. And Joey clearly has never, never really smoked in his life. And I love like his awkwardness of the way he holds it. And like his face when he inhales is, it's so good. Like, he, like his tongue, he sticks his tongue out and kind of like, like, like does this weird, like pushes the smoke out with his tongue. <laughs> it's like real gross. <laughs> and when he gets the lighter, he tries to light it and just flings it across the room. Like some great physical comedy from LeBlanc there. Okay, I don't even know how he did that. Like I, I re- rewound that and rewatched it <laughs> multiple times. And it just seems like it like that lighter defies the laws of gravity. <laughs> It just, it just like he fumbles and fly, flicks it across the room. It's so wonderful. And we need court for some sports commentary because if it's like a true fumble, like maybe he can give us the physics of how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So when, when Chandler then is fed up with Joey and he's like, look, let me show you how it's done. So I love this part because we are never overtly told that Chandler has been a smoker, but, but in his whole course of dialogue and how he is explaining how to smoke to Joey, it is abundantly clear that he has been missing this, that he knows it. Um, like when he talks about it, it says, think of it as the thing that has been missing from your hand. It's just like such good writing. I think that was my favorite line in the whole episode. His obsession with smoking is one of my favorite running gags. I love it so very much. Yeah. The way that he like deliberately and and naturally just inhales. And then as he exhales, he's just like, now we smoke. And he's just like, oh my God. I think it's his first, oh my God, of this series too. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like he's found peace when he has, like, has that cigarette in his body. He's just like, oh, yeah, like ecstasy. And it's just that one thing that takes him completely over the edge to be an obsessive yep. smoker. 
now, which we find out later, it's been three years since he's quit. And now he's just like full on back on the smoking train. Mm -hmm. Like real off the rails or on the rails on that train. (laughs) Off the wagon, on the train. On the train. (laughs) So then we transition to the coffee shop. And at 4.03, we see Gunther. He's talking very like animatedly to other people. Yes. And um, I totally forgot to even bring up some back facts about Gunther in the last episode. But if you're ready for some facts. Oh, I'm ready for some back facts. (laughs) His real name is James Michael Tyler. He's in 148 episodes of 236 episodes of Friends. I couldn't believe how many he was in. That's so many. It's over half. It's a lot. So I read a thing somewhere that now I can't find the reference for, but when I do, I will credit the person that he said that he had a friend who was in beauty school and they needed someone to practice dyeing hair on. And so the night before he was supposed to go in to film this, he was, he got hired as a background actor for episode two and it was supposed to just be like background, whatever. And so the night before this friend bleached his hair and he went in and did the background work and then Gunther became a recurring character. And for 10 years, he had to bleach his hair like every week. And he, <laughs> they used to do it for him. And then he just started doing it himself because it was much easier and faster. And so it was just like, <laughs> he tried to do a favor for a friend that cost him 10 years of his life of like bleaching the hell out of his head. <laughs> so he, he had to be Gunther for 10 years. Yeah. That was not actually him. No, he has brown hair. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I hope that he really did something nice for that friend. I hope so too. Well, yeah. (laughs) Nice or awful. Either. There's a point when you, when we cut to the outside shot of the coffee shop before we transition in. One thing I noticed at this, like, I, I think this is a stock a stock footage of the coffee shop that they use a lot of the time to, for that transition. But I paused it and looked deeper into just like who and where people were. There's no friends in there. There's no friends in there. That was one big thing, but also people inside looking at, looking from the outside, there are people inside that coffee shop that are sitting on the friend's sofa that are not the friends. Yeah. And I just wanted to point that out and say, never, ever, except for one episode, do we ever see other people sitting on that sofa? Yeah. And it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Other people there. Another testament to where I think that they maybe have an, a little bit of an in with the owners as like their reserved spot. So speaking of Gunther, I have a friend's fan conspiracy theory about the reserving of the couch. Okay, lay it on me. The theory is that Gunther reserved the couch every day for Rachel because he was in love with her. I think that tracks. Yeah, I think that might be the reason why they got that couch all the time because when she started working there, and that's when the show's... Well, I guess they were sitting there before, but maybe they we don't know that they had it all the time. That's true. That's true because that was the first time that we ever saw it. Mm-hmm. 
That's really interesting. Hey, whoever whoever uh, came up with that theory, good job. So that's from ScreenRant.com. When we cut to the friends all on the couch, they this is one of my favorite just random discussions that they have. And I have to say, I did a <laughs> I did a bit of a deep dive into this, <laughs> where there Monica we cut to Monica saying holding up her thumb and index finger like a, like a, like a gun and saying, so they say it's the distance from the tip of a guy's thumb to the tip of his index finger. And then it cuts to the, all the guys and they're all holding it up and looking and then like staring down at their pants. So it's obviously referencing without overtly saying that this is this, this is equates to, this equates to penis size. Yes. Well, I, I I just have to say, I looked into this as to see if it was a reputable theory, um, because I've I've heard of like different things, like oh, it's like like equates to like a different measure of shoe size or what whatnot. There was actually a 2011 ABC News article that referenced this episode of Friends where a, um, they talked about a, a Korean research company that talked about the longer a man's ring finger when compared to his index finger, the longer the length of his penis. Wow. So this is a legitimate researched phenomenon. It was led by urologist um, Dr. Tae Bom Kim from the Gaecheon University in Korea. Um, measuring the fingers and penises, both stretched out and flaccid of 144 men who were anesthetized before undergoing urological surgery. I I was, I did not know if like this was a, this was part of like their actual surgery or if it was just (laughs) coincidental. That was not clear as a part of this article. It was consent for this. Yes. But the the what came out of this study was that men who have relatively long ring fingers specifically not so this is a little different than the than the episode but but um so typically men's ring fingers are a little bit longer than their index fingers uh which is not the case with women so that's 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 something to pay attention to um, but so men who have relatively long ring fingers are thought to have been exposed to high levels of testosterone in utero, which has been linked to like aggression, athleticism, sexuality, intelligence, and even, this is funny, even the ability to trade high stakes stocks. <laughs> oh, very manly. <laughs> so long story short, you can Google it, but there seems to be a slight correlation and truth to this, I don't know if it directly correlates or if it just has to do with finger ratio, but um, the, the article itself does reference this exact episode. See, this podcast has everything, like science, comedy, it's all here. <laughs> truth facts. Truth facts. The one issue that I have with this scene is that we turn to Ross and he's like, can I use either thumb? 
And then his sister looks at him all sweetly like a mom and is like, yeah, she just nods at him. Sure, sweetie, you can use two thumbs. Oh. And I'm like, why couldn't Joey have said that? Why are we having Ross and Monica be so gross? I don't know. And yeah, I, I completely agree. And also, I didn't even understand his question. No, because like one thumb is longer than the other. So can he use either, he, can he pick which thumb he uses to measure? I feel like if your thumbs are dr- that drastically different, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you have more of a problem. <laughs> yes, sweetie, that's true. <laughs> the other thing about that, when we see Monica like nodding so grossly at him, they're like in love with each other. It's really gross. But she's still got that diamond ring on her finger, on her left ring finger. And I don't think I've mentioned this before, but I looked it up to see if she was married before David Arquette or whatever. And it's because she was dating Michael Keaton at the time. So they were not married, but they were in a relationship until 97. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out if that ring stays because I feel I feel like as a props department, you would have very like you would be very clued into that. Yes. Like just take it off. Yes. Yeah. And I think like later when Jennifer Aniston is married to Brad Pitt, she's wearing the ring on her right hand. I wonder if Michael Keaton had like an in with the show or something and was just like, or I don't know. Or not to start rumors, but maybe he's like super controlling. He's like, you can't take that ring. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's probably great. <laughs> he was probably a really, really, really outstanding dude. I mean, from all the roles I've seen him in, he seems really lighthearted and fun. So. <laughs> and not <laughs> at all serious. He seems like kind of a maniac, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> oh. Michael, you're great. Come on our show. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That would be the best ever. Talk to us about Beetlejuice and Jennifer Aniston. No, (laughs) talk to us about Beetlejuice and Courtney. Literally about anyone you want to talk to. (laughs) Oh, Michael. Oh man. Okay. So in this in this this next piece, after they're they're all looking at their their gun fingers, um, Rachel then brings the order like their cafe order to the group and just completely screws it up and shows her ineptitude at, at her job. Um, it does it with such confidence like I'm getting pretty good at this I know it's kind of sweet <laughs> and they all like they all endure it endure it and endure it's endearing and en- they endure it and then they switch when she leaves yeah I have to say they don't just switch they switch like triple switch <laughs> which makes it even harder to track and what's funny is every time I watch this episode um, even before this I know it's coming, and I try to guess who ordered what. There's a huge shuffle of beverages that makes it very clear that Rachel is very wrong. Yes, worst waitress ever. But, like, as true friends, they're trying to, like, help build her up. Yeah. Like, at least she has a job. They're being, they're being there for her. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> And when Phoebe walks in. Oh my God, her muttering. That's what I was just going to say. Her muttering to herself is so good. So I, I watched this over and over and there's no explanation to her muttering. They kind of like ask her and she's just like, no, it has to, uh, it has to do with my bank. Like, but it doesn't actually explain like why she's weirdly talking to herself in this 
very intense conversation. <laughs> and at first I was thinking like, oh, she's talking to her grandma, but her grandma, we don't even know she has a grandma yet. Because at some point when her grandma dies, like she, she'll look up and like talk at this. Yeah. But I think it's just supposed to be like, oh, kooky Phoebe. Look how kooky she is. She's just muttering. Yeah. Um, okay. So fashion police moment. I love her outfit. Again, five out of five. Yes. I feel like right now, especially just in 2021, she's like so in, in style right now. With that red and white printed pantsuit with like the little flowy sleeves. Mm -hmm. Like she has that, she has a little 90s twist um, with that, um, the the double cord necklace with like the yin yang and peace sign. (laughs) Her hair is very natural. And like, I feel like this is the, the first time where she's actually looked her age. Yeah. She doesn't look older. She like really looks like she's in her early 20s. Yeah. And how 90s is a yin-yang necklace on a cord? I know. <laughs> With a peace sign. We all had something something similar. Oh, yeah. I bought my own black cord and I would string things on it myself. Especially if, if it was the mood necklaces. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a t-shirt that was a mood t-shirt. Technicolor. No, it wasn't that. It was oh. really had like a circle on it that had like the same goo that the rings and stuff had in them. And so it would like change color and people would, it, it turned out to not be great because people would like try to touch my chest. So it didn't work out well. <laughs> didn't work well, uh, well for you. I remember I, I like one of my friends in fifth grade had a Technicolor shirt that went from like green and blue to red and pink. And I was so jealous. I never, ever had a Technicolor shirt. We had a conversation about this with one of our friends who will come on this show at one point and court because they're about the same age. And they like grew up with them and had both had them. And we were looking on eBay and they're like $100 for <gasps> old ones. And there's a brewery in town here who now sells them. Like, so if you want one. Gruff Brewery in Bellingham, Washington sells this. What? what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I'm going to come visit and get and, and buy and buy one for all of my friends. <laughs> I also loved at 459 when Phoebe comes in and she's like, oh, you know, my bank statement with the quote marks. And it's like her first, our first peek at her, like really hating the establishment, like just mm-hmm. all things that are, you know, corporate and. I just love like Ross's quick, like careful, easy. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that she has an extra $500 in her account is a huge problem. Um, and I love, I love the quote where she's like, but if I kept it, it would be stealing. And then Rachel says, but if you kept it, it would be like shopping. If you spent it. <laughs> or if you spent it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And it's just like, it, it again, it shows their values so clearly. Like Phoebe is so in tune to like that karma, mm-hmm. right? Of like wanting to keep the balance in the world. And that, that goes throughout this episode and into, into the very end, which I have mm-hmm. a lot to say about. Um, but, I, but I also just, I kind of love that Rachel's like, hey, just take advantage. Let's, let's, let's do it. Buy those boots. It's not your fault. They just gave it to you. 
I also noticed, uh, just a side note, that Chandler has extremely luscious hair. It's very fluffy. It is like luscious locks. There, It's just like, you want to put your hands in it. It's like a shampoo commercial hair. I don't know that it looks like exceptionally good, but there, his hair just looks like it is thick and soft mm-hmm. and like kind of bouncy wavy. I mean, I have a thing about hair. My hair is so thin. It's really sad. I just want nice. <laughs> but I did notice like they, his seemed very styled. Like you can see that it has some wave in it. And um, then you look down and notice he's wearing a sweater vest that has two buttons at the waist. Yeah. Oh man, he, he is just like leaning into the vests this, this episode. <sighs> Good God. <laughs> but what I what I really love about the next few lines is that when when Phoebe responds to Rachel and talks about like how like it's not right like every if she did use that money to spend on shoes she would hear that like not mine not mine not mine with every and then when she, this is so Phoebe and so good. But when she's like, even if I was happy and I was skipping down the street, I would hear this, not mine, not mine, not mine. And whatever she does with her voice, like I cannot replicate it. But like, there's this little catch in her voice that I'm just so in awe of. It's brilliant. Yeah, she's wonderful. Everything Lisa Kudrow does, I am 100% in. There's a new thing on Netflix that's called Dumpster Fire or something or 2020. I, have, I haven't looked at that yet, but I it is on my list. I've not seen it yet, but there I saw like a little teaser that someone sent me. That's her, her basically talking about like scandals and, and justifying everything that's gone on in 2020. And then suddenly turning and being like, I never said any of that. Oh no, 2020 was like a dumpster fire. It's, it seemed funny. I haven't watched it yet, but. And also the comeback, if you've never seen the comeback and web therapy. I have not seen either of those, but I did start watching Space Force, oh, which is yeah. also amazing. Yes. So good. There, the first episode of that one, um, when Steve Carell is tucking, is making the bed with her in it. Yes. Court does that to me all the time. And I stopped watching the show and was like, I can't proceed with the show until you watch this scene because this is what you do to me all the time. <laughs> oh, <no. Nobody. laughs> so then we see Chandler kind of sitting up on the arm of the couch and his butt's kind of like he's hanging off the back of the couch. So we just see his butt like kind of up in the air. And at first I was like, why can't the guy just sit on the couch on the sit on the cushion? Why are we up on the arm? Then he sits back up and he's been secretly smoking behind the couch. The fact that he has a cigarette hiding behind the couch, no one smelled it. Maybe he lit it when he bent over back there. That's a really good point. That could have been, I think at that time, there was a pretty good movement away from like smoking, non-smoking sections in restaurants, cafes, whatever, like any, any kind of indoor smoking. In, I feel like in the mid nineties, it was, it was still frowned upon to smoke inside. Like, it, well, for sure in California that I think they were ahead. Oh, that's true. Like, cause we grew up in California. I think New York, you could still smoke inside places. I mean, probably still frowned upon, but I think we, 
our state was ahead of that. You're absolutely right. So that was just a piece where I was just like, this is so weird. But, (laughs) but also no one else is smoking in there. We've never seen anyone smoke inside. So wouldn't they have smelled it? And that's when Phoebe mentions like, it's been three years. Come on. Yeah. But he's so happy. Oh, he's so happy. He's he's just so committed. Monica is wearing a vest again as a t-shirt. She likes it. That's that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> this one's at least she doesn't look like like a server in Vegas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little more subdued. Um, but, but after this point, then she realized she, she announces to the group, like, Hey, I've got a date. Um, I've got a date with Alan and the whole group asks, like, Oh, how's it going? And she very clearly says she does not want them to meet him. Right. Like it's going well. I, you're never going to meet, meet this guy. Um, so I have a quick note just on the timing she like we find out through some through part of the dialogue that it is a Monday. It's clearly like the middle of the day where there is daylight. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, no, it's a Monday. No one's at work. Where are they working? What time is it? If it's five o'clock, then they just all got off work, and it's a little bit of daylight life left. That's okay, but also. Who drinks coffee at 5 p.m.? No. So I, I, like, I have so many questions about, about this. Like, when do they drink? Are they drinking coffee at just, like, all hours of the night? It's fine. I don't judge you. There's another episode later on where there, a, a couple of them are like, yeah, I don't think my boss likes me. Yeah, my boss doesn't like me either. And Joey's like, well, maybe it's because you're all sitting around here at 1130 on a Wednesday morning yeah. or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm going to go back to work. Like, it's pretty unbelievable that people would meet on their lunch break at a coffee shop, like, way far from their work. They all work at different places. It's really hard to believe that's a thing you do. And also that you would go after work or before work. Like, I don't want to get up early to do that and lounge around. And I don't want to go after work and sit at a coffee shop and just, like, hang. I want to go home and put my stretchy pants on. Yeah. Drink some beer. Yeah. Yeah. Great catch. Yeah. So she she clearly doesn't want them to meet Alan. Um, and then they launch into just making fun of her old boyfriend as a result of um, this this unknown Steve. Steve. Poor Steve have, has a lisp. So when when Chandler says Steve is sexy, I just want anyone out there listening to pause at 649. And notice the background guy. He's wearing a denim button-up shirt and a, like this oh. vertical patterned striped vest. And he just does this look directly at camera. <gasps> and it's just like, I don't know. It was so distracting that I paused it for multiple times just to like make sure. And he might be looking at someone off camera, but it fully looks like he's looking at someone on camera and then I just followed him throughout the entire scene the coffee shop background casting is one of my favorite things to just spend a little time on because trying to act like you're engaged with someone without talking 
or having like a real conversation. It's just so funny. And like some people are really good at it and some people are so terrible. Um, So I just (laughs) invite you all to just take a little gander at the backgrounders for for many of the scenes in different episodes and see what you see what you see. I also realized now that you've said that that I don't think they ever pipe in like coffee shop noises. No. There's really no background noise at all. It's just them. No, it just it is it is the the extras like lip syncing, like mouth mouthing conversations oh, to each other. Which is so awkward. <laughs> I mean, I like I props to them for doing it. Oh, oh, I can't act at all. Yeah. At all. I can barely be norm- my normal self. So <laughs> okay, so when Monica's talking about Alan, which I thought was just like, no offense to any Alan's out there, just like such a boring, like he's such a dud, this guy. Yeah. He is he looks like a 55-year-old like therapist who's just Alan-y. He's so Alan in a bad way. So <laughs> not in the way they all no. love him for. But she says, Look, I don't even know how I feel about him yet. Just give me a chance to figure that out before they can all meet him. I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, no doy. No doy. No doy. Obviously. Like, isn't that how all dating works? Yeah. Like, you figure out how you feel about him before you introduce him to anybody else. I don't know it just seems like a really sad thing that she had to ask people of like, they're like oh you've gone out with him for one time let's meet him no no yeah you're all gonna ruin it yeah <laughs> that's a good point that's a good point it's like she's she's doing her best <laughs> yeah no one ever believes no one gives her the benefit of the doubt this poor girl she's like wow something's going well for me and you you all just want to hone in and ruin it and they do ruin it in a different way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then we cut to Monica um, at her restaurant, The Iridium. Um, this is a new co-worker that we, we get the pleasure of meeting. I'm obsessed with her. I love her. I love her so much. I wrote it twice on two different <laughs> two different viewings. <laughs> I freaking love her. Do you want to know about the actress? Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, Jennifer Lewis, get this. She has over 300 appearances in TV and film. TV Guide dubbed her a national treasure. (gasps) Her nickname is the Black Mother of Hollywood. She is currently on Blackish, and she has also done more than 200 concerts performing in 49 states on four continents. Concerts like... What kind of performance? Singing. Wow. I think. She's been in 300 shows and movies. Can you highlight some of them? She is in from, we'll go to the films first. Beaches, Sister Act, Sister Act 2, Blast from the Past, Mystery Men, Castaway, Shark Tale, Cars, Tyler Perry's Meet the Browns, Cars 2. So was she Flo? From Cars? Yes, she was Flo. Okay. Yeah. In TV, she was in Murphy Brown, Fresh Prince, In Living Color, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Friends, obviously, Cosby, Touched by an Angel, 
Jamie Foxx Show, That's So Raven, Boston Legal, American Dad, Blackish, and that that's like her most current one is Blackish. That's really awesome. Uh, so I I loved her in this. I thought that she like she was a great just counter to Monica's whole issue with and and such a great um you know like w- when you're working and you're just venting like she was just such a great friend slash like mirror to hold up to Monica. Like, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> She's super validating and also like kind of pushes Monica a little bit. Yeah, to and, think something different. Yeah, just the amount of sass in that woman's like pinky finger is just what I aspire to and will never have. Yeah. I love her so much. Yeah. She's my she's my everything. <laughs> I have to admit though, I did have a major problem with just professionally some of the things with wardrobe with them working in a restaurant. They both have their hair down. They're wearing giant earrings. Monica's wearing rings. Like this is not appropriate attire for a chef who gets their hands dirty. Like you're not, you're supposed to have your hair up. Like you're supposed to have a clean demeanor. You're not supposed to be wearing big jewelry. Um, that was just like, they glammed them up, up too much. Yeah, and as we know from a later episode when Phoebe dates a health care or a health code mm-hmm. inspector who goes to Monica's restaurant, she's like, I wrote the book on the health code blah, blah, blah about her hat. Like, she should know that her hair should be back. She should take that stupid ring off and put it around her necklace, like on a necklace yes. around her neck. Like Everyone on Top Chef has to do. Like, get it together. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that was like my biggest problem with it. However, I did want to dine at their restaurant because they had this giant like vase of fresh herbs where they were Mm. cooking and I was like oh they're using fresh herbs this looks nice (laughs) and just from the outside it looked very hip pay attention to anything that they were actually cooking because I was just so in love with the co-worker I thought she was so wonderful she is she is so at 7 48 all that stuff is still in front of the bench seat of the window in Monica's apartment. We jump back, except that the desk now has a corded phone sitting on it. It wasn't there before. And who is using that phone? I made the, I made the, the same notes. I'm just like, there is an empty phone that is not being used in this apartment sitting on a desk. And that like weird pink upholstered chair that we mentioned last time that's sitting there, Rachel's sitting in it and just lounging, reading a magazine. And so it seems like these items are not things that she moved in. They're like there permanently. Cause now like they've accessorized the desk. Like these things seem like they're here. Yep. Who knows why, but. Yep. Um, there is also a weird porcelain multicolored duck figurine sitting on what seems to be a geometric seizure of a box on the side table. Seizure? <laughs> yes, it, it is like so much color and so many shapes. And it's just like this, this, this little box and this colorful duck is sitting on top. I don't know. Again, the eclectic makes my head hurt. So much. I also noticed the blanket in one of my really bad shorthands. I wrote this on a receipt in my car. 
I wrote the red and white diamond blanket is back, baby. <laughs> back, baby. Does that sound like the way I speak? No. <laughs> I love that you babied that receipt. I, I babied it. <laughs> so if you look over by Rachel in that little nook, next to the stereo in the corner where like all the CDs are, there also seems to be like a teapot sitting next to the stereo. And I'm like, that's not a place for a teapot, but also this teapot seems to be just made of crap. I, I don't even know what, like how to explain it, but it's like, it's almost like someone broke a teapot or like broke like 20 teapots and then taped one teapot back together with the 20. Like it, it, it is, yeah. Again, I feel like all any weird art in that apartment has probably been made by Phoebe. True. But all the boxes are gone. There are no boxes. There are no, like, there's no guitar. So there, it, it is cleaned up a bit, but there's still just, like, strange items. And at 824, those dead flowers are still in that vase. Mm-hmm. Still there. It's unclear why. Yep. So Phoebe comes in and she reads, reads everyone this letter from her bank being like, oh, thank you for bringing this mistake to our attention. We've credited your account $500 and we hope you enjoy this football phone that she takes out of her bag, which I'm like, <laughs> all the things a bank could send you. A football phone, like, is it a bank that's sponsored by it or sponsors a football team? And <laughs> Court, <laughs> Court was watching this with me and I was like, oh, do you, would you like a football phone? He's like, eh, it's not a Wilson. So he was like, not interested because it wasn't a Wilson brand football phone. If it was a Wilson brand football phone, he'd be into it. He'd be like, oh yeah. I guess. Yeah, that, that's, that's that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's a true vintage football phone. And I love that Rachel leans over and she's like, what bank is this? Yeah. Just clearly trying to capitalize on anything that she can. And she looked really cute. <laughs> In that little black and white checkered, like kind of shift dress. I don't know what do you call it. No, it's it's like kind of form fitting and like yeah, no, very cute. I also said very cute. <laughs> Her hair also very much too fluffed. It is really fluffed to the max. Her dress looks great. It was a big blow dry. Yeah, she did not yet have the Rachel. It was just like the poof. Alan then enters at 8.49. And so he like, his first real line is him breaking the ice with them saying like making, basically making fun of Monica's old boyfriend, Steve with the list being like, I've heard so much about you. And I'm just like, that was such a like unclassy move. Yeah. And I, I, and to this point, I am just like, Monica, I don't like your taste in men. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Paul, the wine guy, we know how Ashley feels about that guy. <laughs> Dude. The therapist. And I am like, Alan, you have got to go. You, he looks like the classic idea of what a therapist would be. The, like, bumpy clothes, the big beard. But, and he looks like he's 55. Like, he could be her dad. Mm-hmm. Kind of gross. So uh, I also noticed the second time through that I watched it, before Alan says that line, he he walks in and he's just kind of like, hi. And then he just kind of like stands there, like kind of weaving awkwardly and looks at Monica and looks at them. 
looks back and looks back. And then he says the line. And I was trying to figure out if like she had said to him, you should say this joke because they'll think it's funny. Or if she had just mentioned this ex of hers and that he was naturally just that funny. Either way, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't care what it is. <laughs> Both ways are stupid. And I mean, granted, it breaks the ice and they're all kind of like, oh, okay, we kind of like you. Like, you're our, you're our people. But like, I don't know. Don't, don't bond over making fun of your friend's choice of men when like you're one of them. Uh, right. Yeah, and don't ingratiate your people. Like, don't let your girlfriend coach you in how to speak to people either. Like, he sucks either way. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Maybe we can just decide right right here and now that Alan is the worst friend. Alan is the worst. Yes. This season. This episode. This whole season, he's the worst. Oh, so, okay, so scene cuts to Monica coming back later that night after the date. But I have a question because it seemed like the date, I think the date happened in the apartment. Like, I think they all spent time together. I don't think she left. I was very confused about that then because I feel like she came back in, but maybe that was after walking him out. I think she was walking him out and then she's like, okay, tell me what you think. Okay, that that makes way more sense than what I put in my notes because I was just like, if Monica is coming back after a date with him, why are they all just hanging out in her apartment waiting for her to be done with her date? Like, that's really weird. And how would they know anything about him if they were gone? True. All based on that stupid list comment, like, we love him. No, Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes way, way more sense. Yeah. Good job, Sarah. We'll just cut that whole thing. It's fine. (laughs) So Monica walks him out and then comes back saying, okay, I'm ready for the Alan bashing, but it doesn't happen. They all love him. I did like at 1020 when Chandler says, I'd marry him just for his David Hasselhoff impression alone and does that like slow-mo Baywatch run. He's like to Joey, you know I'm going to use that at parties. Yeah. (laughs) What parties are you going to, first of all? (laughs) Um, And then Ross. (laughs) I I love these, like, you know, I don't enjoy that they're, like, making a joke out of them, like, seeing things that might be taken as gay. That's not the part I enjoy. I think that, like, them revealing, like, their vulnerable side of being able to, like, connect to another man is what I enjoy. But yes. Ross says, like, I just like the way he makes me feel about myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that speaks to the cold open when they're talking more of those cliched phrases that happen during breakups or when, like, you're in love that where, I don't know, I, I feel like the whole point is that these friends are falling in love with this guy right for different reasons and we're eventually going to have to circle back to those breakup that breakup conversation where they don't understand that it's not you it's me (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll circle again. That trio of storylines just comes together beautifully. At yes. The end. Yes. I do want to point out, though, some good fashion police. I feel like what you said about Chandler, like the wardrobe, trying to figure out who Chandler was. Chandler's half button shirt with the like sleeves bunched up. I feel like that kind of becomes one of his signature looks. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time that we've seen that of like that kind of, um, I don't know, not, it's not flannel. It's like that, that like cross cut, like long underwear type, typey long sleeve shirt. The one that looks like a pajama top that he's wearing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's very casual, but it has like the, the few buttons with the, with like no collar, but like a, like a, um, the sleeve cuffs that, that mm-hmm. roll up. Um, I, we've seen that, we see that a lot throughout the series. Yeah. Um, I really like Ross's flannel. It's, it fits him, which is great. <laughs> and there's still a big problem with his hair, but his wardrobe's getting better. <laughs> yeah. But like, there's this like purpley flannel that, that it, it suits him. Um, Joey, Joey's in a tight black t-shirt, which also suits him. Um, Rachel has that black and white checkered dress. Like all of them look really good. Yeah. I think my biggest problem is Monica who went, who was like on the date and that like ugly orangey washed out paisley dress is just so gross. It's like a dowdy, like law it looks faded it looks like something that you would get as a hand-me-down from your older sister and wear to like picture day yeah yeah like not something you would want to wear on a date no it did fit her well though I'll give her that true it wasn't dumpy and weird like that weird crop top and pants she wears Peter that's just intense I this is going back a little bit but I wanted to say one thing that I remembered when you're talking about Chandler's shirt when he's out on the balcony smoking and before Alan comes in and Monica's like, Chandler, you promise? They like make him stay outside to smoke. Um, and then it starts raining on him. And Joey's like, oh, you can come in, but your like disgusting filter tipped friend has to stay outside or something. Chandler picks up a lid off of charcoal barbecue and uses it as like an umbrella over his head. There's never ever a barbecue is it a barbecue or is it a trash can because i fully thought it was a trash can lid <laughs> oh i thought it was like you know the charcoal like black weber grills the like domed it could have been they, they look very similar either way that neither of those items are ever ever out there again and i was like you only wrote that prop in for this one joke where he had to have something as a hat like it almost would have been more funny if he just used his hand because he's stuck out there well and he's he's like so invested he's just like I don't care I'm gonna finish the cigarette I've got to smoke and just as a former smoker I feel like I haven't been to that point but like, there's definitely points where like I braved the elements to be outside to have a cigarette, <laughs> and that just shows how how like invested he is to like just just leaning into that habit again. Oh yeah, it's all it's his everything. I did want to say one thing about when the gang starts talking about just the little things that they love about Alan. 
I have to give it to Phoebe's like Lisa Kudrow's acting when she talks about the the man in the shoe. Um, how she messes up the nursery rhyme is so good and natural and like also is character building because it reveals like these major gaps in her childhood. But like she does this little look as she's saying the rhyme where she's realizing in real time that the rhyme is not correct. <laughs> and like, it's, it's endearing, like it's, it's sweet, it's funny. It's like, I laughed so hard at that and like rewound it and watched it over and over. Again, I think she's so underrated. And I think her as an actress, if you have not seen her do improvisation, like she and Conan O'Brien went through the same, I think Groundlings. Oh yeah. The same improv school and they were friends like together after college. Um, and if you watch Web Therapy, that's a show that she created. Uh, and this character that she made up, Fiona Wallace, is so like so full of herself and so wonderful and she like developed this model um and she like does air quotes all the time and she just does like zoom sessions with people and there's a lot of um like selena no uh selma blair is on it a lot um but it's mostly improvised like they have a loose it's like curve they have a loose story structure but it's all improvised so if you at all like phoebe you should really watch that show because it really shows off her improv skills and she's just so friggin' funny. And when she breaks, like they show bloopers at the end of web therapy all the time. And when she laughs, it is just like, no one can keep it together. Cause she's yeah. just so, anyway, that's the end of my least Kudra, right? <laughs> okay, let's go to the coffee shop. So everybody, so we go to the coffee shop and Rachel Chandler, Joey and Ross are all walking in the door wearing like with baseball equipment and they're wearing like aside from Rachel the most cliche like baseball-y outfits yeah. like Ross is fully wearing a t-shirt that has a baseball player on it and Chandler's wearing like a button-up baseball jersey and Joey's wearing like a baseball tee Rachel is wearing high-waisted jeans and a crop top shirt with a heart on it yeah like no one plays baseball in jeans no um, also, Monica's just like sitting at the bar, which is a different different than normal, right? Like she's not sitting in the in the sofa area. But my biggest issue with this when they walk in is what is with all the props? Yeah, it's like the props department went crazy to be like they're playing baseball. Right. It was like the most cliche baseball like array I've ever seen. I was like, I get it. Just have one of them holding a bat. We don't need them all to have all this stuff. No, so let me let me just outline the total the total props that is hanging off of their bodies. Okay. So Rachel has cleats around her shoulder and she's holding a bat and wearing a baseball hat. Ross reveals that he has cheerleading sticks. Like the, like, like pom-poms that aren't real pom-poms. They're like literally on sticks. And I'm like, you don't use that to play baseball. It was only because like, they won. It was like, why, why? 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 I I don't know. 
Chandler has like a baseball glove and a ball, and then he's wearing also a hat. Joey has a bat and also cleats draped around his shoulder. So my biggest issue was that with this is that it's so um, anti-character development for Rachel and Monica. Yeah. And I'm sure you you like caught on to this too. Like, what is Rachel doing on a sports team? And why is Monica not on there as the like uber competitive one? Right. So I guess my only thought about Rachel participating is that it could be like a fun one-off thing that she's like, I'm going to participate with the guy. Like, I'm going to do this thing. It could just be like a thing that she's done, you know, like popular girl. That's true. But like, we find out later that she's like complete garbage at sports. Right. And like, no one even wants her on the team. So maybe this is a reason why. (laughs) It just didn't seem to track for me. No. And and like, if they're all on a team, why isn't Monica on the team? Because I feel like she would be the one heading up the team. Uh, yeah. Her and Ross together. But yeah, I feel like, again, this is another scene where had Rachel been working and the three guys came in, it still would have been fine. Like we would have gotten the same... Rachel didn't need to be playing. Like she could have been working, talking to Monica at the bar and the guys come in and be like, we won. And, you know, Rachel, we already know that she talks to Alan on the phone later. So she has her own connection with him. She doesn't need to be on the team with them for her. It just, it didn't hurt. That's true. Um, So speaking of Rachel working, I had a problem, a little bit of a problem. When she go, when she comes in, clearly not having worked, right? It's not, she's not on shift and she just goes behind the bar, grabs a couple bottles of water and just like hangs out behind there. Like that kind of stuff doesn't fly. Yeah. And did you happen to see Gunther off to the right, what he was wearing? No, I didn't see that. Oh man. Gunther is wearing a red, it looks like a red sports coat, like a red blazer with like a real multicolored tie. I, it was intense. It was like bright cherry red. <laughs> he doesn't even acknowledge her. No. Like coming around behind in like sports, well, quote unquote, sportswear. <laughs> the real loose term and <laughs> to yeah. put on what she's wearing. Yeah. But he loves her so much, he can't acknowledge her. Oh, that's true. That's true. No, he's so in love with her. I also have a note that I laughed out loud when Chandler said gallon of Allen. I thought that was pretty <laughs> that funny. too. <laughs> I could take a gallon of Allen. I love that. Then we cut to Phoebe walking outside the coffee shop. It's our first location shoot of the whole series. Oh! I just wanted to point that out, that that we, we've only seen the inside of the apartments so far. Yeah. And this is the first time we've gone outside the par- apartment to the streets. Yes. That look extremely real, by the way. Not at all like a set. <laughs> and Phoebe's walking over to this homeless girl named Lizzie, who was played by Beth Grant. She was a page in the North Carolina Senate. What? In life. Yeah. She was on Six Feet Under, My Name is Earl, Malcolm in the Middle, and King of the Hill. 
And get this, she was the celebrity coordinator for Jimmy Carter's first presidential campaign. Wow. So that girl like has a real bit part in the show, but she's done some big things in life. So that's fun. Props to her. I really like this actress. Yeah. The way that she calls Phoebe weird girl is so priceless. It's so good. I loved too that Phoebe was like, I brought you some alphabet soup. And Lizzie's like, did you take out the vowels? Yeah. <laughs> Phoebe's like, yeah, but I didn't, I left the Y's because you know, sometimes why. Sometimes why. <laughs> As a uh, lit major, very much appreciated that. It tracks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the way that Lizzie also says, like when, when Phoebe gives her the money and was like, I was wondering if you just want this money, like $1,000. And she put, she takes the envelope and just starts like going through the money. And she's like, weird girl, what are you doing? <laughs> the way that the delivery is so... Good. Also, when she says this, just a little background piece that I just wanted to point out is that when she says that and it cuts back to Phoebe, there is this Alec Baldwin looking like lookalike on the street that seems to um, like wave right at the camera. (laughs) (laughs) But then instead of at the camera, there's this guy that just pops up in the middle of Lizzie and Phoebe out of seemingly out of nowhere, but it might be out of like one of those little apartments from the street, like from the bottom of the street. Then he like pops up and like goes to him. <laughs> it's just this funny little moment where it's like, he's just like, oh. again, you are so good at finding all the time jumping and all the, <laughs> all the people just like appearing up out of the sidewalk, like, what do they call it in Star Trek where you, oh, they beam up. They beam up, yeah. Sure. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but then Lizzie, just like Phoebe, wants to do the right thing and is like, I have to give you something. Like, do you want my tin hat? And she's like, no, oh, I'm, I'm really good. You, you, need, you need that. <laughs> you can buy me a soda. So then they go buy a soda. And I... I loved, she's like, are you sure you don't want a pretzel? And Phoebe's like, no, I'm really good. And then she's like, okay, see ya. (laughs) Like all business, like, bye, we're done. Done. Throughout this whole scene and into the next scene, also just fashion police moment. I love Phoebe's outfit in this. Oh, again, five out of five. Oh my God. The like form-fitting white t-shirt. You know, that's like this little like crop top kind of thing with the crisscross necklace, like beaded where it's like little and then long. Mm -hmm. She has that big fringy blue bag that is like so in style now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think so. But like, I think they use the big bag to be able to like do the football phone gag. (laughs) Um, But like, especially that multicolored pattern vest that she has over the whole thing. I was like, that's kind of (laughs) cute. I know. I have to say, I started counting how many vests were worn in this episode by various people. And I lost count because there were so many vests. But I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wore vests basically every day for Uh a long time, including over dresses. My grandmother made them for me. She like sewed vests for my sister and I with like matching dresses. Because 
a vesty nightmare, but like I would fully wear all five of these outfits that Phoebe wears in this yep. show, including that vest one. They were all very cute, very fitted. Like she looked great. I love it. Well done, wardrobe. Yes. That was a that was a hit. Yes. You ready to leave to Chandler's office? Oh man, Chandler's office. I have so much to say about Chandler's office. Oh, it is a treasure trove of joy. <laughs> this is the scene that I referenced earlier that has absolutely no dialogue, but has so much stuff. So much. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think the, it's not music, but the noises they use that like, don't, don't, don't or whatever it is like yes the, the, dink, the dinky music they use that later I think in other episodes I feel like I've heard that I think you're right okay well so you're the queen of background so I want to hear all the things oh, that man. you noticed I noticed some things but I think you are going to fly past me so go off. okay so we start with a sky view of Chandler with people all around him and he's in his tiny little cubicle Right. But then so we, we we pan down to him and we see that like there's all this stuff in his in his little cubicle, but then it shows the side view. So I I I feel like I just need to list all of the things that I noticed from just pausing to see what is cluttering this tiny like three by three foot cubicle. I don't even know if it's three by three total. Um, but the, the big things that I noticed from the sky view were the rubber chicken hanging from his cubicle. There's a grabber tool where you like grab trash and other things. And then when it pans to the side, you see a dartboard, this like puncher puppet. I don't even know what, it, what they're called, but they're like little boxing puppets, mm-hmm. a ton of baseball stuff. Like a, like a glove, multiple bats, a hat. Um, there's a bulletin board of magazine clippings. Off of that bulletin board is a spider web with a fake spider hanging off it. There's a weird like ball game that I feel like was part of our 80s or 90s childhood that kind of shook. It was, it looks like a, like a, it almost looks like a model of a coronavirus molecule. <laughs> Yes, I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? It's, yes, it's yellow yes. and has all these little like nod knobs Dubs on it. off it. Yeah, and it kind of bounces. I don't know what it did. It like it like vibrates and yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you do with it, the but it's a, it's a game. <laughs> so then next to the next to his computer, there was like a punching dragon or dinosaur. There are two no smoking signs, which is awesome. Like very very prominent. Um, and then he has some bottles of like breath spay and air freshener. And that's what I noticed. I didn't even think I got everything, but it's so cluttered. And it's so, how does this guy guy do any work? I think that's the point. He doesn't. (laughs) Um, the only thing I wrote down that you missed was the magic eight ball. Oh, I missed it. Yeah. good, Good call. I also was going to say, and um, I only caught this because, of course, the hat that's in his uh, in his cubicle is a Toronto Blue Jays hat. 
And did you know this fun fact? Matthew Perry went to high school with Justin Trudeau in Canada. <gasps> no way! I learned that. Um, so from I did know that Matthew Perry is a dual citizen like yourself. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun fact that I learned, but I did not know he went to high school with with like, Mr. Canada. With Mr. Canada. I don't I don't even know what he's called. Is he like my new dad now that I'm Canadian? Yes. <laughs> oh, that works. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I would have never caught that it was a Toronto Blue Jays hat, but that's like a little nod to Perry being Canadian. Yay. Oh. So, Matthew, if you ever come on here, can you please bring Justin? Because we love him. Yes. Oh, we do. Also, also, I feel like then Matthew, you need to talk with Court extensively about sports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'll just sit there awkwardly, like, huddled in the corner, just clawing. Clawing in joy. <laughs> Speaking of joy and not something not joyful is Chandler's outfit in that whole scene. Because he's wearing a brown shirt with a brown vest. It's so it's brown. And too much brown. Like, I didn't even realize it was a vest until it got to the close-up. And I was like, Oh, those are different types of material. <laughs> like, they're the exact same color. Like, what is the point? It is so gross. It is the worst shade of brown. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's like uh, when you were talking about Ross wearing that, like, dumpy uh, button-up denim shirt with the wide tie. And it's just like a sat. It's like his emotions in his clothes. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is how Chandler feels about his job. It's just like brown shirt, brown vest. Like, who cares? Blah. Yeah. So this whole scene that is just like no dialogue, but the whole gag is that he is sneaking, smoking, where there are no, all of these no smoking signs. He has a cigarette in his drawer. He has this little tiny sad fan that he's spraying with like air freshener and then spraying his mouth with like... Anaka, I think. With the, yeah, with <laughs> And then he mixes them up. Like that he's going through this so much that he he can't even keep track of it. Oh. Oh my god. And when he sprays the the air freshener, which is oh. like o- ozone, when he sprays it in his mouth, his he's just I mean, again, just like David Schwimmer, like his physical comedy is he's it's so sad. Very gifted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when that scene came on, Court goes, he's so comedic. Oh, yeah, I think that's the point. Yeah, he is. You got it. <laughs> so he's learning about friends. Slowly. Good job, Court. So we cut to the coffee shop, and then Phoebe is telling the group about the thumb. So before we jump in, I just I want to go back real quick to when Phoebe actually, I know this is a couple scenes ago, but when Phoebe actually opens the can on the street, there is this sound that they put in that is like this click, click, thunk, thunk of the thumb in the can. That is, that is like, it like gets me in my, in like the core. (laughs) Where it's like, it's like the, the, the click, click, it's like that. But then the thunk, thunk of something actually in there, like makes me want to just hurl. 
I'm also curious, how does a thumb get into that? How does it get in there? I know that they put the lid on, so it must have gotten in there before the lid put In the factory, on. right? Yeah, okay. Like in the process of the factory, someone lost the thumb or put it in there like, maliciously. But like when Rachel and, and Monica lost the ring, they like went through that lasagna to find the ring. Like someone in the factory loses their thumb. It seems like that would be like pretty evident particularly to the person whose thumb came off, I would think. They'd be like, like wow, well, I lost my thumb. Shut it down. <laughs> shut it down. Let's, like, take everything offline and throw it out. Or yeah. at least, or search for the thumb. It seems like it wouldn't be that difficult to find the thumb. It's not like a thing that falls off and, like, a month later you're like, oh, my thumb. It's not like an earring. <laughs> Maybe it was a really fast factory. That's true. Or maybe, like, the guy or whoever lost the thumb. You know how, like, when Sam and Spawn, their bodies just, like, start disintegrating? They're, like, literally dying as they spawn to go home. Like, their noses fall. didn't notice. It was just ripped just, like, off so clean. Off. <laughs> he was just like, oh, I'm just doing my business. Oh, what happened to thumb? He just goes to open a door. Like, what? I can't open this doorknob. Oh, I don't have an opposable thumb. Weird. Hi. Honey, something weird happened to me at work. I lost my thumbs. He goes to give someone a thumbs up and he's like, wait, hang on. Something's not right. <laughs> Again, this is why everyone tunes in, right? This kind of stuff. I'm dying about this guy. <laughs> Okay. Getting back into it. Um, I don't know how the thumb got in there, but it's there and they have to deal with it now. I really loved Phoebe's joke where she said it's floating in there like a tiny little hitchhiker. I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, there could be a whole series about the guy who lost that thumb. Oh, totally. Spinoff. Totally. So as soon as as soon as she shows she shows the whole gang about it and they're like oh gross and then Chandler starts smoking Rachel turns to him and says it's worse than the thumb and the way the way that she says that is so great I love that she's like really just embraced this group like she's in like there's no there's no awkwardness like she gets it she gets she's just in yep I just wanted to comment at 14.25 that Chandler is sitting in a very small wooden chair that's to the left of the couch, which is usually where there's a really big comfy chair. Like there's usually like a kind oh. of chair there and it's like a rickety, like there's no padding or anything. It's literally just like a short wooden chair. Is the, is the padded chair gone? Yeah. There's no other chair there. Oh, some other patron moved it. Yeah, it's a pretty big scandal. Yeah, I've done that. (laughs) But then this is the scene that I was talking about before where, you know what a sideboard table is? It's like, it could be in your entryway or like behind a couch. Like sometimes you'll have a table that's level with a couch. Yeah. So I think that's a side, or maybe a sideboard is like what you put dishes in. Anyway, that kind of table. Yeah, yeah. Something that's like kind of waist height. Yeah, exactly. And so there's one of those weirdly, so they're like they're 
They're sitting in their normal places with the coffee table. And then two inches from the coffee table is this stupid tall table, like pushed up right against it for no apparent reason, making it very awkward. Like you couldn't walk around the coffee table. You have to walk around this other table. It's never been there before. It never comes back again. And it's it's like where the camera would be if they, you were looking at them sitting on the couch. And like, why would you put this table there? I did not even notice that. That's it's really weird. weird. Is there anything on it? Yeah, there's like crap on it. It's not even like kind of close to the coffee table. It's like two inches. It's like shoved up there. Huh. It's very weird. It just looks like, uh, I remember an episode where they have a party where they have like a bar table that's never been there before with all the alcohol on it. That's like right under where the camera would be near the couch. Yeah. Uh, looks kind of like that table. Okay. Like, like a fold, like a folding table. But it's like a, yeah, but it's like a legit wooden, huh. it's, it's dumb. It's weird. Anyway. As a result of Chandler's smoking, they start to launch into blaming each other for different habits. So let me just list all of their weird habits that I don't know if it ever comes up again past this episode. It's just really isolated to this, this episode. Phoebe chews her hair. Joey cracks her knuckles. His knuckles. Ross overpronounces every single word. Which that does, that does track. Yeah. Monica snorts when she laughs and Rachel just, again, back to the, the earlier in the episode, she mixes up the ordering. She doesn't do her job well. Which does track. Like she's bad at her yeah. job for the most of the time she works there. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I thought that the thing about Monica was weird. And like someone says something about like, People were making fun of Ross with his enunciation, and then she snorts at that. And I was like, what? this just doesn't feel... I liked that what she laughed at was her brother getting made fun of. That was yeah. funny. But, like, the snorting was... It wasn't even... She didn't even laugh. It was, like, so forced. It was awkward. Yeah, I felt like this was just kind of a running gag that was for this scene, like, this episode only, and then they just brushed past it because we never yeah. see it again. I did like um, that Ross said that Phoebe chewing on her hair was endearing. And then I was kind of like, why didn't they ever date? Like, that was kind of sweet that he was like supporting her. And then I remembered in a flashback one, they do make out on the pool table in the uh-huh. coffee bar. Like yep. right after he finds out his wife's a lesbian, they make out. Yeah. So asked and answered. There's a, there's a little chemistry. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty sweet. So this is my biggest fashion issue. God, Chandler's oversized cream shirt with the tiny purple donuts, whatever they are. <laughs> the sleeves, for one, it, this is like a button-up shirt. The sleeves, like the shoulders hit him where the sleeves should end. <laughs> and then the sleeves themselves go down to his forearms. I wrote the same thing. I, I it's like... <laughs> They're like capri pants in a sleeve. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so bad. I, at first, I thought they were rolled up. And then I was like, that's his actual sleeve. Oh, like, no. That's a short sleeve. <laughs> I was like, is this ugly naked guy shirt? Like, what's going on? That doesn't fit him at all. So large. 
It's so bad. And the pattern is just awful. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Again, they're like really trying to figure out who Chandler is in his wardrobe. And I'm like, just pick one lane and stay in it. (laughs) He's now wearing that shirt with Converse. And and a giant belt. (laughs) Yeah. Like, is he cool enough to be wearing Converse? Not that you can't be. Not that you have to be cool to wear Converse, but like there's like a vibe around wearing Converse that Chandler does not have at all. Not in the slightest. No, no, he's way, way more nerdy. So just at the end of this episode, when they're just, when they're bouncing back and forth and kind of riffing off each other, when it cuts to Phoebe, did you notice that she like almost goes to take a drink of the, of the thumb soda? No, I didn't see that. She doesn't actually do it, but like she moves like she's going to. Like she's like in the moment she's forgotten that there's a thumb floating in it. Oh my gosh. I just realized too, this poor girl has now had two of her drinks ruined because remember earlier Chandler <laughs> puts his cigarette out, out yes. in her coffee and she goes, Well, I can't drink this now. Yeah. <laughs> you realize this poor girl's so thirsty. She has nothing she can drink. Oh, that's a good point. Um, I did love that she threw a barb at Rachel, though. Like, Phoebe just lashed out and was like, oh, you know, don't go back to work too fast or someone might get what they actually ordered. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. So we go back to the restaurant with your favorite with your favorite guest star. My best friend. I love her so much. This is just a very short scene where Monica, we, we learn that Monica is revealing to, to her coworker that all of her friends now love Alan. Um, and she's like, the coyote, <laughs> which is so good. But then Monica reveals that, like, they feel the thing, but I don't feel the thing. And I love when she's like, honey, you should always feel the thing. <laughs> like, I love you. I said earlier some other line was my favorite line, but that is actually my favorite line. She is oh, honey, you should always feel the thing. <laughs> She's so good. Oh, God, I love her. That was just like a lit, like, and, that, and then that's it. Like, that's basically the whole scene. And yeah. so that was our, our cue that, oh, this isn't oh. going to end, and it's not going to end well for the friends. Yeah. Sorry, Alan, you gots to go. Yep. <laughs> but I did notice that, like, she she tells them she's broken up with him, but then the scene later we see her break up with him. She preemptively breaks up with him. Well, but before that happens, so we cut back to the coffee shop for another quick scene where like the gang is still trying to get Chandler to stop smoking. Um, and again, fashion. Chandler's fashion, I think, loses in this whole episode because He's wearing another black vest and a black shirt, but then his tie looks like Salvador Dali or Picasso threw up on it. It's just like orange and black. And it's like this like geometric vomit. And it's so distracting. I thought it was the entire shirt. And I realized, oh my God, it's just this giant tie. Geometric vomit is my favorite. Oh God! If we could get that tie in Ross's three pieces of dumb food, oh, just, like, <laughs> yeah, just, just tie it all together. So then, 
Rachel's is working and she takes a call and it is Alan for Chandler. And just in the matter of 15 seconds, Alan over the phone convinces Chandler to quit smoking. Love Chandler. Like the things that get Chandler to quit smoking is like Alan talking to him on the phone. Later, those hypnosis tapes for women. Uh (laughs) Just... Oh yeah, I know he he doesn't quit for good. We did definitely see his smoking habit come back again. Oh, um, just wait till Tulsa. Oh yeah, but then there's this this weird moment where after he hangs up and Chandler's like, "Okay, I'm done." Ross and Rachel have a little have a little moment where Rachel's like, "God, he's good," and then Ross says about Alan, "If only he was a woman." And Rachel replies, yeah. And then they like look at each other and have this like weird, like, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I have so many questions about this. I'm just like, what did, what did, what did that mean? Like, where, where did that come from? Is it like a little insight into like their, their chemistry? I think it's just like, Rachel's got a little frisk in her. Like mm-hmm. she... She'd be like we learn later. She kisses Winona Ryder in college. Like, yeah, she's got she's open. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just I loved it because it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean I think for the '90s that was pretty forward, risque. Yeah, and because they could have written the joke just Ross being like, "God, if only he was a woman." And Rachel would just be like, "Ugh." But they took it one more step further. Again, I kind of loved it, but I was also like, "What does this mean?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it means that Ross only falls in love with women who are open to being with other women. That's 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 true. That definitely tracks. <laughs> okay, so the, the next scene, they're watching Lamb Chop in Monica's apartment. <laughs> and Chandler's really cranky. Oh yeah. Which I love so much, cranky Chandler. Um, he is such a nightmare and so crabby and so mean. Yeah. But also, it seems to be very late at night. Who is playing Lamb Chop right now? Like, I used to watch Lamb Chop on PBS. It was on, like, you know, 9 a.m. in the morning. Eight in the morning, yeah. It's not on at, like, 11 p.m. Like, she's coming back from dating, on a date with Alan, right, Monica? And they're just, like, hanging out watching Lamb Chop. It's clearly nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I... Chandler being like, ooh, lamb chop. How old is that sock? Like, you you can even say something mean about lamb chop, like yeah. the most delightful puppet of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Chandler's super cranky. Ross wants Phoebe's Pop Tart, which, like, who asks for a happy Pop Tart? Right. <laughs> like, I love Pop-Tarts. I ate them extensively in college as like full meals. But I would never ask someone for a half-eaten one. The other half, yes. But not one that has been nibbled down. It also looked like the kind that didn't have frosting, and I am not interested in that. Nope. That's just gross. It kind of grounded me back to like, oh yeah, they're in their early 20s. They really don't care about what they eat. 
but, but it was, it was not, it's not consistent. Yeah. Because again, Ross, like he's seemingly like the most grown up of all of them. Like he, he doesn't need someone's old eaten pop tart. Like, and he's not like Joey. Like that would make more sense if Joey was asking for it. Yes. Again, like just switch everything to Joey. Stop having Ross do all these weird things. Have Joey do that. And then it makes more sense. Although I will say, um, I feel like Tyler only ate frozen quiche and bagel dogs <laughs> until he was about 23, 22. Basically when you entered the picture. <laughs> yeah. Which I, th- I feel like that, that works. Yeah. Th- I mean, that's true. Ross lives on his own now. Maybe he can't feed himself. And yeah, you himself. saw, you saw the state of his apartment. In- oh God. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about how you said he didn't even have a trash can to put his like sobbed in tissue in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my sad. God. It's so bad. And then Chandler is being really crabby and Ross is like, oh, it's time to change someone's nicotine patch. And he puts a new one on and Chandler goes, ooh, I'm alive with pleasure now. He's so crabby. <laughs> I actually laughed out loud. I thought it was so funny. I love Angry Chandler so much. So then we find out that Phoebe got $7,000 from a thumb and she's just so upset. And then she's like, and then I stepped in gum. What is up with the universe? Oh, it's so good. She tries so hard to keep everything like balanced and it's just. I know. I know. So then Monica comes back in and she brings Joey in from the other apartment straight out of the shower. He's wearing his bathrobe. He's clearly just out of the shower because his hair is like sopping wet. Um, When he sits down on the couch, he has a towel in his hand, but he like spreads his legs a little too wide and kind of flashes Phoebe and Rachel. And Rachel's like, oh, oh, Joey. And he's like, oh, sorry. Just check out the look on Phoebe's face. Like she definitely like lingers the look a little bit. Well, the two of them have like a, they definitely have like a relationship with each other without being in a relationship. Yes. Yes. They're like in love, but we'll never be together. Yeah. I I loved that. It was just like, oh, I can, I see that. And I'm acknowledging and I appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought it was strange how when she brings him in, she's like, I think it's just so nice when we're all sitting together. And Joey's like, well, um, I think it's nice when we can put our underwear on. But like, isn't Joey's canon that he likes to go commando unless it's in another man's (laughs) fatigues? So, (laughs) so... Like for him to be have no underwear on seems like fine. I don't think he was expecting to just like hang out with no underwear on, <laughs> like without pants. Right. That might be different, <laughs> but. Ugh. And then we get the bad news. Monica says that they have to have a talk and she breaks up with all of them on behalf of Alan. <laughs> Which is such a great callback to the cold open of that all the cliched language that you hear with any breakup. 
um, from both sides. Rachel's finally experiencing it for seemingly the first time. When she's like, I thought that you were going to introduce him to my parents. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for Alan to be gone. He's, he's definitely not my favorite. They just don't understand. They don't understand why Monica doesn't have good chemistry with him. Yeah. And Rachel had told her earlier, like, oh, no, there won't be other boyfriends. Like, because Ross says he's going to be the one that every other boyfriend yeah. is measured against. And she's like, other boyfriends? Like, I think this is the one. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's so then it, it just cuts to Monica actually breaking up with Alan, who then you realize... And it's revealed, can't actually stand any of her friends. He hates them all. Yeah, well, we hate you, Alan. <laughs> also, you know what I just realized? I didn't even look up who the actor is who plays Alan because we hate him so much. Didn't like, care. You didn't occur to me. <laughs> sorry, I'm sure you're great. I didn't even face me at all. Oh, I'm so sorry, Alan. That's okay. You got it, though. I'm sure you had a great career. Probably. <laughs> then we cut back to Monica's apartment and like everyone's consoling themselves in the way you do is with a breakup with there's a cheesecake on the table that Joey and Chandler are partaking in. Rachel and Phoebe are sharing some Haagen-Dazs. Ross, he's got a spoon that is the size of like, it's like a massive serving size spoon, not like a spoon you'd eat ice cream with. It's like a huge ladle almost. And he's sitting on the back of the couch, but has like dropped his butt down onto the cushions. Yeah, again, an awkward, an awkward position from Ross. <laughs> yeah, but I guess the shape of his body is like how sad he is. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But I did love that in a later episode, Chandler's like very much obsessed with this cheesecake. Him and Rachel are like really obsessed with the cheesecake that gets delivered. And she didn't try any of the cheesecake that I could see. And Chandler was eating the cheesecake. So I was like, oh, this tracks. <laughs> Very good reference. There's a reference with, with Ross holding the spoon that he has been eating something. Mm -hmm. But we never actually see him eat ice cream because later we find out that he doesn't like ice cream because ice cream hurts his teeth. It's too cold. It's too cold. But I think the ice cream is just really passed around between um, the girls. So yeah. It's fine. And it's clearly Hagen dazs based on the label. And like how cliche the girls eat Hagen dazs I know. I know. So they're all reminiscing about, about Alan and how sad they are. Um, and Chandler gets up and is like, I need to, I just need to smoke. I just need to do this. And he's like on his way out the door. And Phoebe says, if you never smoke again, I'll give you $7,000. And he, yeah, okay. and he turns around and is like, yeah, okay, I can do that. He, We all know he smokes later, but we yeah. never reference that $7,000 again. Oh, no. So, like, does she pay him for this and he breaks his breaks his deal? <gasps> does he ever pay her back the, the $7,000? Because he should, because he smoked multiple times. He does. And we learn later that like trust is very important to her and friendship is very important in the one where like Joey blows her off for a date. 
And then yep. she tries to blow Joey off to go meet David. I just watched that one the other day. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that he went back on an agreement with her, uh-huh. he should have to go live in a box like he did when he hurt Joey. Absolutely. Wow. I also loved that Chandler says, game's over. I'm weak. I got to have a cigarette. <laughs> he is weak and he acknowledges oh, it he's so over weak. and over. <laughs> so weak. <laughs> um, but when Monica comes in, though, she walks over to the couch and like Ross is like, oh, you've had a really long day. Uh-oh. And she's like, I really have. And she sits next to him and he's... <laughs> And he's backwards on the couch and she sits next to him and he's like, come here. And he puts his oh. arm around her and puts his thumb like between her eyes and starts massaging her temple or like, you know, that part of her. Yeah, forehead. he does a weird massage technique where it's like, ugh. I'm like, ew, they're probably going to cuddle after that too. Like, what is happening? Just like, I don't stop know. touching. Rich- yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so unnecessary and weird. Game over. (laughs) I didn't like it either. Can I tell you what I found out about the end? So the end of an episode is called a tag. Oh. So that was the tag. So not an outro. (laughs) Not an outro, but I, I knew what you meant. Yeah. A tag. Okay. And do we... The beginning was, is still a cold open. Yes. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Great. A tag. Yeah. That was the tag. And that's the episode. That's it. We did it. That was so fun. And now you know about the thumb. Now you remember. Oh, um, I, yeah. I, I definitely have that lodged into my brain. Uh, I'm really excited next week to talk about George Stephanopoulos. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. I am excited because I feel like we're like really rolling now. Like this is like episodes start happening now. There's, it's just like, we got 230 plus whatever. We got stuff to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes. I guess that's it. Yeah. This week then. Thank you. I love you. I love you. And I'll be there for you. (laughs) I'll be there for you too. (laughs) Bye guys. Bye. Better Friends Podcast is created, produced, edited, and all the other things by Ashley Madden and Sarah Reinen. Please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your questions to betterfriendswatchingfriends at gmail.com. To find out more about Better Friends, please check us out on Twitter at betterfriendpod or on Instagram at betterfriendswatchingfriends. Thanks for listening.